Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Sindra Kampoff, and thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm grateful that you're here for episode 108 with James Leith. Now, the goal of these interviews is to learn from the world's best leaders, athletes, coaches, and consultants all about the topic of mindset to help us reach our potential or be high performers in our field or sport. And today, I'm welcoming you from sunny Tampa, Florida, where I came to keynote at the Women in Sports Psychology Conference hosted by Amanda Marburg at uh, A-Game Sports Psychology. So I want to give her a shout out for putting on an amazing conference. And I also spent um, the day before the conference started at IMG Academy, where James is the Director of Leadership. And so I decided to go there. I wanted to interview James as well as uh, reconnect with all of my um, colleagues in sports psychology and visit their vision lab. This, this interview is live from IMG Academy. And before we get into the interview, I want to read an iTunes review. This is from Tracy Seekins. She said, Dr. Sindra has a very easygoing way of reminding her listeners how to live a positive life. Tonight, I listened to Respond, Not React, and it was just what I needed to hear tonight. I can see how this podcast will help me in my job and my life, and I will absolutely continue to listen. Thank you for helping people and sharing your message. Hey, thank you so much, Tracy, for heading over to iTunes and providing that review. Now, I had mentioned to you a few weeks ago that I had the intention of doubling the downloads of this podcast in 100 days. I just think that more and more people can learn about how to control their mindset. It will make the world a better place. And so I set my intention. I told you. And I've been tracking it. And guess what? It's been working just by saying it out loud and telling you about it. Um, It's been working. We haven't quite doubled the downloads, but I'm wondering if you could help me to reach that goal. So you can do one of two things. If you enjoyed this podcast or another podcast episode, you can post it on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Or you can head over to iTunes like Tracy did and provide a comment or a rating. Or you could tell the friend about a podcast. That would be amazing. All right, so let's jump into James Leith, episode 108. And James joined IMG Academy in 2015. As the head of leadership development, James develops and delivers curriculum for IMG Academy, their student athletes across eight sports, as well as he presents to visiting teams, companies, and professional athletes. Now, he attended Fresno State, where he received a BA in communication. And uh, when he wasn't playing football at Fresno State, he actually became the beloved mascot. Uh, for Fresno State timeout. So after graduation, James played quarterback for a semi-professional team in Fresno, California. And with over 15 years of coaching experience, as well as a master's in performance psychology, he's passionate about teaching us about how we can lead more effectively. So there's lots of gems um, that James provides. He talks about how we're all a leader. He shares his definition of leadership. Why Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz is James' favorite leader. We talk about characteristics of good leaders, five different areas of great leadership, and three people that you need in your life. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode, learn about how you can be a better leader and a greater leader with more influence. So here's a few of my favorite quotes from this uh, podcast that you can listen for. He talks about how either opportunity is nowhere or opportunity is now here. 
You can decide how you see the opportunities. That's a really good discussion. And then he talks about that it's not the books that you read, but more about being an open book as a leader. All right, without further ado, let's bring on James. Welcome, James, to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm here at IMG Academy, and James, I'm excited that you're here on the podcast with me live. Super pumped. Let's go. So, James, (laughs) let's start us off. Tell us about your passion and what you do. So, I thought I was always going to be a high school or college coach, football coach up on the board, X's and O's, and I spent a couple years chasing that dream, and I realized that I didn't really like as much the strategy. I didn't really care about the this play goes with this play. What I loved was the relationship. Mm. And so really what I wanted to do is figure out a way to influence athletes without having to be really good at X's and O's. I, I wanted to just be able to inspire them to go be the best that they can be. And it's athletes, non-athletes, in the business world, you know, whatever it is, I wanted to use my stories and things that I've learned over through the past to kind of help people. Awesome. be the best version of themselves. And tell us a little bit about your responsibilities here at IMG as the Director of Leadership Development. So the Head of Leadership Development is a position where I get to do exactly what I just you know wanted to do. Is, uh, I don't, with my background in mental conditioning, as I have a master's in sports psychology, I don't really deal with the basic tenets of sports psychology. I get to talk about leadership and character development. And it deals with things like identity and helping somebody figure out who they are, whether it's while they're in sport or when they hang up their cleats and they go off and do something else. What is their identity? Uh, How to communicate with individuals. I get to bring uh, a focus on the student athlete, not just the athlete. I get to talk about the human aspect of being an athlete. And so in our classes, I really get to focus on helping them become a better person. Awesome. So as the head of leadership development, big question to start us off. How do you define leadership? What does it mean to you? I love that question, and I stole it from John Maxwell. John says, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And what I've learned in that is that it's absolutely true. It's your ability to influence somebody. And when I ask my student athletes, tell me somebody who has influence they always want to talk about oh, well, this person did this good thing and that good thing. I said, no, we're not talking about good or bad. Influence is neutral. How can you influence somebody? Because you can influence somebody to do something illegal. That's still leadership. It's your ability to lead. And so leadership is influence. And I'll start every class like that. Say, what is leadership? Influence. And then we kind of build off of that. So how do you think that you maybe train or develop your leadership? So I have a feeling you're going to ask me that question. So... As a follow-up, if leadership is influence, influence comes from the person's ability to display who they are. You're going to follow somebody that you you like their traits or you like what they have to say. And so leadership development is what I teach, but another aspect of it is character development. And so somebody's character influences how they're able to lead others. For an example, if I'm... If I go to some student athlete who's in the batting cage and he swings the bat and misses and I say, hey, man, you suck. (laughs) He's like, who are you? Like, get out of here. The next day, if I had met him that morning, I go out to the batting cage and I go and he swings and misses. 
And I say, hey, man, you suck. He's like, hey, Coach Lee, what's going on? The only thing that has changed is my relationship to him. He's now given me permission to have influence in his life. And, you know, so whenever you, you are looking to, to influence somebody, think about what is your relationship to them. Because if I have a coach who I re- – let's say I have I, – in, in, in high school, I played volleyball for a little bit, and I had this wonderful female coach, uh, Coach K, and, and everybody loved her. And she would yell at the top of her lungs at us, but we knew she loved us. So, cool. You're just passionate. I'm not going to take it personal. However, there was a JV coach, a guy, who yelled all the time too, and we all hated him because he was not in it for us. He was in it for him. He wanted to be varsity, all that long backstory. But it had to do with her ability to show us that, hey, I love you, and I'm yelling in your direction, and it's loud, and there's there's a scowl on my face, but you know what I'm trying to tell you is trying to help you. Mm -hmm. And so she had influence over us because we knew that she loved us. And when you talk about how to to influence kids or influence anybody, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's people have been saying that for years, right? But it's totally true in that as soon as you find out somebody cares about you, they all of a sudden have more influence over you. You know, as people are listening, they might be thinking about, okay, well, how do you keep kind of love or caring front and center? How do you develop that? What do you think about that? Because that might be really hard for people to do. It absolutely is, and it can be forced. And so it's very difficult for single-season teams to create that kind of atmosphere. Single-season meaning a club team that's only going to have these 12 girls for three months, and then the team's never going to be together. And so experience together, overcoming adversity, uh, players catching their coach reading like, oh, coaches, look at coaches reading. Like, what is that? Or players catching a coach doing things outside of his or her job description. And I've always said that great teams have two things. They have inside jokes and they have a shared language. So those two things, right? So inside jokes just happen. The coach allows people to be silly when it's appropriate. But then also the coach can yell something out and then the kids or the athletes, they, they, they respond right away. So those two things. Now, and that's outside of talent, right? That's talent is not my area. I'm not making somebody a better soccer player. But what I can do is I can bring a team together by giving them an experience, making them do an obstacle course blindfolded as they yell at each other, and they don't realize that what they're doing is that they're forming these bonds. These these just they're becoming a more cohesive unit. It has nothing to do with soccer, but it has everything to do with being on a soccer team. Mm-hmm. And so, how a coach can develop a, a trust between him or herself and the team is just get caught loving on in the most positive way, you know, giving encouragement when they need it. And not and like John, Coach John Wooden says, it's like, I don't treat everybody the same, but I treat them equal. You know, some kids need a pat on the back. Some kids need a little bit lower and a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And that's, I found that to be true. And that as a coach and as a teacher, I treat the kids the way that they need to be treated mm-hmm. and love them the way that they need to be loved in order to get them to where I know that they can get. So when you think of people, you know, if you can think in your mind of, of you know, some of the, the best leaders that you can think of, maybe coaches, athletes, or you know, even outside of sport, 
and you're, you're you're describing that they love and they care for the people that they're around. Can you think of one or two ways that they demonstrate that love and care? So I, you know, I just heard you say like encouragement when needed. What are the things do you think that really separate the best leaders from others that, you know, maybe aren't so great? Here's why Dorothy Gale from The Wizard of Oz is my favorite leader. She had a dream and she went in to chase after it. And then she gets kind of shut down by this crazy dude who tells her, go home, your aunt's sick, whatever. So she goes home, things have changed. Now people are hiding because the tornado's coming. She goes on this journey, and the first person that she meets is the scarecrow. You're familiar with the story, right? He didn't know where to go, and so he's, he's like, oh, some people do go both ways. And she's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the, the Wizard of Oz. Do you want to go with me? And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, because I, I need a brain. So she goes, okay, come along with me. So already she's showing leadership traits because she's realizing that all journeys are better with other people. So now she's showing teamwork, but she's also leading the way. So then they cruise and they find the Tin Man. Tin Man needs a heart because after your journey, sometimes you lose heart. And you're like, oh man, like what? I just don't have the energy to get up at four o'clock in the morning and get in that pool again, you know? So Dorothy's like, okay, well I got a Tin Man. Tin Man, hey, come with me. I'll help you get to this place. So she's leading. And it's this, you know, person who just went on this quest. And all of a sudden she's got Scarecrow and she's got the Tin Man. And then after a time when you're searching after a goal, sometimes you get scared. And oh man, look what happens. The cowardly lion shows up. The lion needs courage, right? And so now you've got the Scarecrow that needs a brain. You've got the Tin Man that needs a heart. You've got the lion that needs courage. And they go up against this big, scary thing and he goes all right if you guys want what you say you want you have to go and conquer the wicked witch you gotta go kill her so as a team they go and they do it they they, they conquer they come back and they go hey wicked witch is dead well toto who's the voice of reason in this whole story right toto goes and pulls back the curtain and it turns out the big scary person is just some old dude who is trying to help people and so he comes out and he goes, hey, you know what? Um, you guys did it. Great job. Let me give you some rewards. And this is where it gets really good. Because Dorothy, if you remember, sits back while the scarecrow gets a diploma and while the tin man gets a, uh, a tick-tock, like a little clock, and the uh, cowardly lion gets a medal. Do you remember what Dorothy gets? Nothing! Nothing! The she shoes! She already has the shoes. And the <laughs> whole time she's just smiling because her team... Got it. And so they accomplish the goal. And a lot of great things can happen when nobody cares who gets the credit. And Dorothy realized that, look, I don't need anything. My team got it. So then this crazy old man's like, hey, you know what? I'll take you home. Here we go. Let's go. And then he's an idiot because he takes off and doesn't, you know, lock the, the, the balloon away. And so he flies away. So now Dorothy, who is this great leader, and got her team everything they needed. They won the championship. She's lost until Glinda shows up. So Glinda shows up and she comes down and she was like, Dorothy, what's wrong? She's like, oh, you know, I'll never make it home. And she's like, what's wrong with you? Like, you have the power this whole time. All you have to do is say there's no place like home and click your heels together. So what Glinda told her is that all you have to do is believe, which leaders need to believe, and click your heels together, move your feet. So great leaders have 
stronger belief than most, and they do more action than most. So she closes her eyes, says there's no place like home, she puts her heels together, and she wakes up, because the whole time she was asleep, and everything she needed to be a leader was already inside of her. <laughs> That's awesome. I was thinking about watching the, the movie, you know, I don't know how many years ago when I mm -hmm. first saw it, when I was growing up. So leaders have everything inside them that they need to be successful. Well, and, and what you need to get that out is adversity. Dorothy needed a challenge to realize that she had the capability to lead. When you have an eighth grade basketball team that's about 500, and there's no way they're going to make playoffs, and you go and you say, hey, I need someone to step up. I need someone to lead. They have no idea what you're talking about because there's no need to do that. If you are an excellent team, undefeated, everybody's firing all cylinders, there's no need for like yelling, yeah, because you're just you're you're gonna win, you know, most likely. What happens is when adversity strikes, that's when leadership can grow. It's like you can water a plant all you want, but until the sun goes and it starts getting into those leaves, that's when growth happens. And you can't have leadership growth without number one, adversity, and then number two, reflection upon that adversity. Because you can go through bad stuff and then not learn from it. Just like you can work at a company for 20 years and not have 20 years experience. You have one year 20 times. And so there's intentional growth and then there's just stagnant. You're just, you're just not growing. And so one, one thing that we do here at IMG, which isn't specific to us, but we use improvisational activities to make kids feel uncomfortable in front of their peers because that's the most uncomfortable place you can put anybody. You know, Jerry Seinfeld says um, the number two or the number one fear um, of all most people is speaking in front of people. And number two is death. And so that most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. That's true, right? And so you put you you put them in front of their peers and then they fail and everybody laughs at them and then the athlete realizes, oh I didn't I didn't die. Oh, that was actually fun. Oh, okay. So now and then they take another chance and then, and then they make another decision and okay now I'm a purple duck and I'm walking in an ice factory. And it seems so silly, but then they go out into the field and now they're taking chances because they realize that their teammates trust them. So it's, it's hard to teach leadership, but it's easy to recognize it. And you can't recognize it until you see somebody overcoming some kind of adversity. Mm -hmm. Which is why a lot of rich parents don't see their kids making it to pro sports. I mean, you work in professional football. We just heard a fantastic story right now. Best athletes in the world, the exception is they were taken care of as a kid. And the rule is usually that they struggled big time all the way up until professional sports. Because they had to learn how to get fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up and take care of themselves and kind of thrive in that diversity. Yeah. Yeah. So James, tell us a little bit about which leadership themes that you focus on here at IMG. We, we have five that we really focus on a lot that has been kind of a culmination of a bunch of years and a bunch of different great minds that have been here at IMG. Uh, the first one's identity. And so we'll spend a lot of time, a week or two, talking about a student athlete's beliefs, their values, and then how those manifest in the rules that they set for themselves. 
And so there's a lot of uh, overlap of mental conditioning and leadership. Uh, in, at IMG, we're lucky to be able to kind of separate them and focus on different things. But so when it comes to, to identity, you have these habits that you have. But a lot of times before you have a habit, you have a rule. You have something you set for yourself. If you want to lose weight, you need to get up early in the morning. Well, it's not a habit the first day you do it. It's a habit 10, 15, 30 days down the road. You know, I have a 21-day habit rule that you totally made up, but whatever. Like, you know, it's you, you make it this rule. Like, I have a rule that I don't go to bed without reading, you know, or um, I, I have a rule that I, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is I make that delicious espresso. You know, and that's a habit now. Like, I need it. Well, I guess I don't need it, but I love it. But I, we, we talk about identity and we talk about how your beliefs will guide you. And so be careful what you let influence you. And so what does influence you? Your family, the music you listen to, the TV shows that you binge on, the five people that are closest to you. You know, you, it's that old adage where you become the average of the five people you hang out with. And so really just let help them recognize who is influencing you. Because if leadership is influenced, we're all being influenced. And I tell them, that, you know, who loves Under Armour? Who loves what you drink? Who loves what you eat? You know, who who loves what what you what you're wearing all the time? And it's all these different things. Like, but we are most most people are brand loyal. Like, I'm lucky. I just I love Under Armour, and we just happen to be sponsored by them. And so, like, I'm like, yes, I get all these Under Armour clothes. But, um, you know, what influences us? I, I watch a lot of uh, presidential shows or um, CSI or stuff like that. That stuff influences you, right? We go into connection. Is the next one. And that's connection with, we have team sports here and we have non-team sports. Right? So we have golf and tennis, but then we also have soccer and lacrosse and football and basketball. And uh, when you look at basketball, yeah, I think it's a basketball. Yeah, I always forget one sport, you know. But uh, when you try to figure out, like, how do I connect with the team? How do I connect with the community? How do I connect with my critics? Because the, the older you get, the better you get at your sport, or the, the, the better you get at your job, people want to talk to you. And so when that happens, your critics get a lot louder. And you can ignore them to a certain point. And after a while, sometimes you just have to address it. And you see it all the time on Twitter. You know? And so that connection to the community, that connection to even the connection to your sport, a lot of individuals that I work with, for, for football example, I'll talk about a coach from the 1930s or a player from the 1950s. I have no idea. And I mentioned Emmett Smith a couple weeks ago, and most of the class had never heard of him. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, Emmett you, Smith? You don't know who Emmett oh, Smith no. is? Like, <laughs> you know, or maybe should I say Herschel Walker or something? Like, you know, like, you know, one of your guys. But, like, you know, it, there's, there's, for a lot of athletes, there's no connection to the past. And you see that a lot with female sports. And we have the Empowered Female Athlete curriculum here at IMG Academy, and we, we try to connect them to strong women in the past that have kind of paved the way for different sports to be able to be recognized as official or whatever it is. And, you know, for the guys, it's, you know, who who in, in your past in the sport has allowed for you to play this way? You know, some football players don't even know that you can't always pass. Like, it hasn't always been that way. But there was a point in time where it was just running. And, you know, so, and offenses come and go, and defenses come and go, and basketball plays come and go, but connection to the history of their sport, we talk about that. Now, communication. Communication is 
something that we could spend the whole time on because you break it into most people do verbal and nonverbal. Well, we also throw in digital, which you are fantastic at. You and I have had lots of conversations about the digital communication, but everybody knows verbal and nonverbal, so I'll spend a little bit of time on the digital and that social media has been the megaphone of our character. Our kids, like for example, when I was in the eighth grade, no one knows what I did wrong. These kids, when they were in eighth grade, I know everything they did because they posted it, right? And so the way the internet works that if I find something as a hiring manager that you posted as a 13-year-old and now you're 18, well, it's like you posted it yesterday. Even though it's time-stamped, you said that, and that's just the way it goes on the internet. And so I spent a lot of time with the kids, not just saying, don't post this, don't post this. It's do post this. Know that... Whether you like it or not, people are going to assume that you are like your online profile. And if I, as a hiring manager for the leadership department, see a resume, and then I go on Instagram, and I see someone who does not match that resume, I may not tell that person that's why they didn't get the job. So they may never even know, because I've got 10 seconds to look at the resume and then move on. And so with the athletes, we teach them, here's what you need to post. Here are some cautionary tales. Um, you know, when it comes to sending like nude pics, like I mean, in high school, you got sexting going on a lot in different schools, right? But just understanding like if you're a female and you send that, you'll never get it back and it'll be spread and everybody that boy knows will share it. And then there's the other point where it's like, well, it's also child pornography. And then you get their eyes like, what? It's like, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to teach you this, you know, I, you have to be careful about that. And so I love that I get to tell them those things because where else are they going to get it? And so uh, that's, that, awesome. that's yep. you know, communication. Okay, so we've talked about identity, connection, communication, and there are a few others? There are two others. Two others, yeah. okay. So inspiration. How do you get people, how do you keep them motivated? And because we have middle school all the way through professional sports, we have different levels of this inspiration. Uh, we talk about the, the three people you need in your life. You need somebody to look up to. So you need a mentor. You need somebody to live life with. Someone who is going to carry your casket. That person that you trust with everything. And then you need somebody to leave a legacy with. You need somebody who is going to be looking up to you. Because everybody is a better version of themselves when they know somebody younger is looking at them. Mm -hmm, I know. Absolutely. I coach youth sports. And whenever I'm around that team, I just want to be a better human for them. And so we, we talk about being very intentional about inspiring others. The last one is empowerment. And empowering our athletes to go use sport as a vehicle for change. Because we get our professional athletes in here, these college athletes in here, and even our varsity teams. They put on their varsity jerseys and go across the street and help with the boys and girls club. They might as well be professional athletes. Because these 6th and 7th graders just look at them as like, oh my gosh, but you empower them to do that. You empower the, these seniors. One of the things I do with all my seniors is I have them write a letter to themselves. And there's a, there's a calendar alert on my outlook. In 12 months, these May ones, I'll, I'll mail them out. I'll take them to the post office, and they'll all get mailed out. So I do that at the end of every seven-week session that I have with seniors um, and post-grad um, athletes. And it's really just so that they can see in one year how, how much I've grown. 
because when we when we are going like up until we get out of college the difference between one year and the next year is just there's so much change going on as we get older things kind of slow down it's like wow i'm about as fat as i was last year and i'm about as smart as i was last year you know but like when you're a kid it's just you grow at this astronomical rate and so i love being able to see that and i've been doing that for 10 years or so at different organizations i've been with and it's so great when they get them like coach i can't believe you remembered yeah that's you awesome know? so you empower them to empower themselves 12 months from now and then you know encouraging to do volunteer work that sounds great. So the five are identity, connection, communication, inspiration, and empowerment. Boom. So James, what would you tell us in terms of, all right, so not everyone's listening might be an athlete or even in sport, right? They're not, they might not be a coach. How do you think that we can apply these five areas to our business, to our work, maybe even perhaps to our family, mm-hmm. right? Because if, if leadership is influence, we influence our family as parents, as sisters, as brothers, as siblings. What do you think? Well, all our, our, our identity changes all the time. It's very fluid. And when you're a freshman in high school and you're playing a sport or you're a freshman in high school and you join a club, you're at the bottom of the barrel. You have to earn your way up. Well, the thing is, is that same, those same skills you learn as a young person, whether it's in sport or out of sport with a club or whatever, that never ends. Because then you get a job and you're at the bottom of the barrel. And you have to learn to talk to people that you don't like. If you were an athlete, you kind of have, a, I think, a little bit of an advantage because you've had coaches that you didn't like and you have coaches that you did like. As an adult, you have bosses that you don't like and you have bosses that you do like. You have coworkers that backstab and you have coworkers that encourage, just like in high school. So high school never ends. Like that, I think it's a Blink-182 song. Like Brad Pitt's the quarterback, Jack Black's the Joker. Like, like that never ends. And everybody's worried about who's wearing what and who's hanging out with who. And so, but you, you have, it, sports has always been like kind of a microcosm for adulthood. And you learn how to work with people. You learn how to deal with defeat. You learn how to win with dignity. So you can take those and you can use them in the workplace. And when I look at resumes, especially here, I want to see that you have some team experience. Because it, it's it's difficult to bring somebody on to a team who's never been on a team before because they're just lost. Like, I don't understand all these dynamics. Why can't everybody just accept me for who I am and I can just say whatever I want in the meetings and people just know what I mean? It's like, that's that's not true. That's not life. And you've been given a disservice that you believe that. And so I, I really think that the, the things that you learn as a young athlete are applicable. But... You can't be a leader unless you reflect on the things that you've done in the past. And so if you don't look at the things that have happened to you and translate that into this is how to be a better person, you're going to struggle as an adult. And I always say that leadership is less about the number of books you read mm-hmm. and more about being an open book. Mm-hmm. I've been a, I'm been a sales manager for salespeople who were older than me, who were probably more qualified than me. And the only way I could win them is by being an open book and saying, hey, I don't know the answer to that question. You probably do. Can you help me out so I can help you out? Because if you help me out, then I can make your life easier as your manager. And that worked. I, instead of being like, no, I'm the boss. You see the title outside my door? That means I'm in charge. So you shut up. Like That doesn't work. That's a short term. You, you may get there. You, they may pay attention to you for a little bit, but eventually that's not a long-term strategy. Dictator coaches don't last very long. They may have some good seasons, 
but they don't have good legacies. Absolutely, absolutely. When you can you tell us a story, or maybe give us an example of a team or a group, or maybe even an individual that you helped develop their leadership? Yeah, I think that one of my favorite stories is when I was I was coaching a seventh grade football team, and we were put in a league that we shouldn't have been in. We were we were undersized. We were younger. It just seemed like everything. We went defeated. <laughs> every game. But I didn't lose any players. They stayed the whole time. And we changed our goals. And I was honest with them. Game six, I'm like, guys, we're, we're not, and we had some girls on the team, we're not going to win. Let me just be very honest. As your coach, we're probably not going to win any games. So let's change what success means. And I was like, make it personal. I want you guys to have victories throughout the game. So I would be like, hey, Charles, what's what's your success today? He's like, I want to make two tackles. I'm like, okay, when you do, let me know, and we'll celebrate. And so we would have a team full of 20 kids, and you know, 16 or 17 of them, after we would lose the game, would come up to me like, today I won, coach. Nice. I did my thing. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, that's cute, uh, but they'll probably never play football again after this. So I'm at the banquet, and uh, I'm up there, and I get emotional, you know, I've been accused of being a passionate individual. Just and accused. I said, yeah, just accused. <laughs> not proven. But I was like, all right, uh, so just just want to know, at the end of the banquet, thank you, everybody. Can you raise your hand if you're going to play next year? And nobody raised their hand. Every player stood up and raised their hand. Nice. Every player came back. I thought, that's cute. Like, you guys were still terrible. Like, we'll probably in next year. They went undefeated. Wow. They won every single game. And that was 10 years ago. And so I've talked to some of the individuals since. And they were like, I, I, that season of losing taught me more than about life than anything. And so you take these negative situations that the world says, oh, you lost. You must not have anything about to add. So we'll know if you always win, what can you teach anybody? Right? John Maxwell says sometimes you lose and sometimes you learn. There's the third thing. Sometimes you waste an experience. And that's what somebody who who doesn't understand that they have leadership capabilities does. They just they waste an experience or they discount it saying, oh, nobody cares about that. And I just spent five minutes talking about a seventh grade football team yeah. in San Luis Obispo, California. So when you think about James in terms of, you know, leadership as influence, um, what things have influenced you? You know, have you, you know, maybe you just could give us some resources in terms of what have you read or listened to that you think has really helped you develop your leadership or your knowledge about leadership? I I, I love to, to just interview coaches, like by the water cooler interviews. You know, just like, hey, tell me about uh, your best season ever as a coach. And then you let them talk to yourself. And that, I mean, that's also a strategy in when, how to win friends and influence people is like get them to talk about oh, themselves, absolutely. right? Yep. And all of a sudden they walk yeah. away and they're like, James is amazing. I'm like, I didn't even say anything, you know? But some of the situations that I've been in have have really allowed for me to to use those. And in my own life, I said the open book thing, like I openly talk about my brother passing away when I was in my early 20s and stepping away from playing football and um, you know, my divorce and, you know, being failing in that is such an intimate thing. It's like, you know what? I need to use this to help other people. And and not being afraid of that, even though some people be like, oh, you know, that should be private. It's like, yeah, well, that's not what God put me on this earth. I need to share this. And so I, I think it's very important that people take their, their past experiences and just 
use them to help other people. Because, I mean, why else are we here? And so, I, I mean, I get paid to do this stuff, but I, I love like just sharing, sharing life. So I'll, I'll read books that have to do nothing with sports, but then I'll learn like Dorothy. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Not an, not an Great athlete. application. <laughs> right? Right, absolutely. But when I talk to a certain demographic, they're just at the edge of their seat. Like, Dorothy, that's right. Toto, oh my gosh, that, that's my childhood. I need to find one for these kids, like Power Rangers or something. Yeah, maybe. Know, but, <laughs> but, you know, so it, it's it's looking everywhere for an opportunity to learn. And podcasts like this and books written by John Gordon and John Maxwell, whatever John, uh, other Johns. I mean, there's a lot of Johns out there, right? But um, these are books that, that I just love. I mean, Stephen Covey, even like old, older ones, um, Horizon Swept Martin. He wrote in the late 1800s, you know. But it's principles of leadership don't change. I, I mentioned Horizon Sweat Martin, and he wrote a book called Pushing, or yeah, Pushing to the Front, Pushing from the Front, which is a very weird sentence. You push from the front. But even he talks about in, and I think it was written in 1908. I have first edition. I'm pretty excited about it. I got it on eBay a couple. Yeah, that's ago. awesome. But he talks about how city boys just don't know the value of hard work and then if you want somebody who works hard hire someone that was raised on a farm and it's been it's over 100 years and you're like yeah yeah that's, yeah, that's probably true. about right right yep. there you know it's and so um, the, the principles of overcoming something and being better is universal I mean, you, like Oprah Winfrey if you mm-hmm. want to see somebody who struggled you, you can't write that story and yet she may be our first president I don't know why not now, you know? Who knows? And so you have these these stories of overcoming adversity. And it seems like that's, if we make everything so easy for our kids, they just will never learn the lessons that you and I learn. Absolutely. So since we're talking about that's a really good segue into one of my questions. You know, what you just said is, you know, use your failings to influence people. So tell us the story, James, about a time you failed and what you learned about yourself and what we can learn from that. Wow. I think I think people have really lionized failing. They're like, yeah, fail. You know, you be on Instagram. It drives me nuts. Like, just go out there and do something, you know? Or like a early 20s would be like, what should I do with my life? I'm like, go somewhere. You'll bounce back, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm 19, I'm out of high school, and I go back to my elementary school coach. I'm like, hey, can, can you give me a job? I want to I coach football here. Let's do that. And he goes, yeah, absolutely. We'll make you the resource teacher. And you'll be teaching recess, and you'll be good to go. And so I kept being late because I'm a 19-year-old kid. Finally, one day he comes out, and he just goes, uh, Jimmy, you're fired. I'm like, oh, come on, coach. I'm giving you a warning. You know? He's like, no, huh. you're an adult. You are no longer employed here. You need to leave. I've known this guy 10 years. He was my favorite coach. I love him as a, as a human being, and he just fired me. And I was angry. Because I'm 19, I don't understand. So um, as I'm walking away, he goes, also, I need you to know, like, you, you can't coach either. You're done. Wow. And so that was, I was, I was devastated. So that football season, I went to the library during when I was supposed to be at practice, and I just read books, tons of books on coaching. Football season's over, and I go back to this coach, and I say, hey, I, I realized that um, I was really immature in the way I acted, and I realized that, you know, it was a good thing that you fired me, and I'm, I'm ready. You know, please. And before I could even ask for the job back, he goes, you're hired. Welcome back. Wow. And that was it. Like He wanted to see 
how I would react. Hmm. And in life, hmm. the things that happen to us don't define us. It's how we respond to those things that define who we are. And I didn't just write him off and just not want to ever talk about my childhood. I went back, and we'll bring it back around to Dorothy. I went back to the wizard, and I was like, hey, I fought that demon. I killed the witch. I'm no longer going to be late. Nice. And he was pulled it back, and he was like, jump in the hot air balloon. Let's go. And we took <laughs> off together. I love it. Right? But, yeah. and, that, and that changed me because then I realized that this man loved me enough to punish me, to mm. discipline me. Hmm. You know, and you've got guys like Johnny Menzel and these other you know, professional football players that you know, we can only blame them so much. But it's also, when were they ever disciplined? Sure. When were they ever held to the consequences of their actions? So if we'd applied to us, it, you know, for us to really think about how it's not what happens to us, right, but it's about how we react to it is really key. What other applications do you think that you can use from your story to help us grow and learn? I, I think the word that you used, react, is interesting because leadership is also about the language that you use. And my biggest problem as a young person was I reacted a lot. Mm. And when I was able to respond, right now I have control over it. Someone steps on my shoe, I react by punching them in the throat, or I respond by saying, oh, hey, excuse me, sorry, maybe it was my fault. Right? Maybe I put my foot under there and they step my, you know, who knows, but... Um, that works in relationships. You know, somebody, your spouse has a busy day and comes home in a bad mood, yells out your name, and now all of a sudden you react like, why are you always yelling at me? It's like, it had nothing to do with you, but now it has everything to do with you, and now you're in a fight. When really you could have just re responded and be like, hey, can I get you some tea? Like, can I give you a hug? You know, and so uh, my teacher, that Mr. Gabriel, was telling me about, he he responded in love and I reacted in anger but then I came back and I responded saying hey I, I see the air and he said fantastic you know so I I heard long ago I ordered a, a very fruity drink like those martinis like the colored ones or something. I was really embarrassed and this old man next to me he leaned over he goes never judge a person by what they drink but by how they drink it Nice. <laughs> I was like, thank you, sir, very much. Let me buy you a beer, you know? And so I do that, but it's also, I, I, I translate that into life. It's like, I don't judge people by what's happened to them. I judge them by how they responded to it. What did they do after that? Did they, did they make it into a, a life lesson? Or did they just go, oh, life sucks, and it always, people always coming at me. Um, there's this thing, I had a friend come visit me the other day, and he says, Give me the five most important things about building a business and teaching and, and, and learning. And, and I wrote on this piece of paper, opportunity, I-S-N-O-W-H-E-R-E. -E. And some people read that as opportunity is nowhere. Okay. And then I'd say, look at it again. And they look at it again and they see, it says opportunity is now here. I love it. And... That's what life is. Opportunity is all around us. So is poverty and devastation and all this negative stuff. And if you're looking for the negative, oh, you'll find it. If you're looking for the positive, you'll find it. And if you, for some reason, can't find it, create it. Because opportunity is now here. You get fired, you now have an opportunity to get a new job. You build a new skill. 
You know, somebody you lose somebody in your life, you now have an opportunity to be a better person and live for two. Like when I lost my brother, I was like, well, I'm living for two now, so I need to take some chances. Nice. Awesome. So opportunity is now here instead of opportunity is nowhere. That's it. That's a great quote, James. It's right over my desk right there. Oh, I see it. Uh I was wondering what that was. So there we go. So James, I know you have an amazing blog and you post some awesome things on Twitter and social media. So tell us, for those who are listening who want to get more of your wisdom and your teachings, tell us how we can find more about you and where we can follow you. Oh, thank you. Uh, JamesLeaf, L-E-A-T-H dot com. I send out a coach note every week, and it's just little stories, little anecdotes. It's nothing big. It's 500 words. It's just little stories. Uh, and so I send that out every week, and then I do a lot of retweeting your stuff and other people's stuff and uh, post a lot of stuff on Twitter. And, yeah, reach out to me. Awesome. Awesome. So, James, I so appreciate your time and your energy and your wisdom today. I want to tell you the things that that stood out to me about what you talked about today and the things that I'm taking from today. So I loved our discussion at the beginning about how leaders keep love and care at the center Mm -hmm. and how that's so important in terms of being a good leader is developing those relationships and showing that you care and love. And loved, loved, loved your story about Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Really good application to leadership. And I also liked how you described that, you know, opportunity is nowhere or opportunity is now here. It's just about our lens. And we can mm-hmm. we can choose to respond and not react. And then the last thing is, is all about how leadership is influenced. So everybody's a leader because we all have influence on people. Yeah. Leadership starts with the self. Nice. You know, look in the mirror and then people will follow. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have any final advice for us or wisdom? Um, yeah, just be nice to each other. People are so mean. You know, like it, 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 every time that I have an opportunity to just be like, hey, how you doing? And then you wait for their response. You could totally make somebody's day by just letting them respond. Instead of being like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. How you doing? Cool. And then you just walk on. I challenge people. Sit there and wait for them to respond. And that might be the one thing that that they need. Uh, ben Harper has a great lyric. And he says, everyone I know is in the fight of their lives. You have no idea how you just stopping and looking at someone and saying, how you doing? And waiting could change that whole day for them. That's influence. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and energy today, James. Thank you so much today for joining me for this interview. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. You can find quotes as well as the full show notes at cindracampoff.com slash James. And James and I are also on Twitter. You can find James at James Leith and myself at mentally underscore strong. So if you'd like to reach out to us, we'll make sure to get back to you there. And you can also find more about James at jamesleith.com where you can sign up for his weekly coach notes and his blog. They're super good. Have an outstanding week, my friends, and be mentally strong.